I come to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. An exciting week. I spent some time in Scripture studying about the prophets. In the Scripture, the prophets are divided into major prophets and minor prophets. And you all probably already know this, but I was reminded that the major prophets are the ones that are the longest. It had nothing to do with the content. It's just the length of the prophecy that made them major prophets. And same with the minor prophets. They might have had a more powerful message, but because it was shorter, they were known as minor prophets. And I got really excited as I was reminded of that, because that means when my time is done here at Trinity, I will probably be remembered as a major preacher. <laughs> Thank you. Advent is a special time of the year when we prepare ourselves, if we can, for what is to come before us. And I have a story I'd like to share with you. God put me in a place to witness this story so that I, I believe so that I could share it with other people. I was uh, a newly ordained priest in a small town. There was another small town 15 miles from us with another small Episcopal church. The priest there had just retired and the bishop asked me if I would go over there and fill in on some Sundays. Well, he didn't ask me, he told me. But that's okay, that's what bishops get to do. I agreed to do that on the Friday before that Sunday, I got a phone call in my home and uh, it was from a funeral director and he said there had been an accident in their town and a construction man had been killed. Could I possibly do his funeral on Monday? And I agreed to do that. So Sunday I went over and I did the service and after the service a man came up to me and introduced himself and I understand, he said, I understand you're going to be doing my son-in-law's funeral tomorrow. And I said, I'm so sorry for your loss. And he said, thank you. He said, my daughter's outside. And if you have a few minutes, I would like you to spend a few minutes with her if you would. She's really hurting. It was her husband that was killed in this accident. And I said, of course I will have time. And he says, I'll go out. And this is an important part of this whole story, if you look back at this story later. He said, I'll go out and see if she'll come in and talk to you because she's so bashful, she may not want to come and see you. And I said, that's perfectly all right. I will sit here and pray, and hopefully she will come in. I was not prepared for what I was about to see, though, as he came back in to introduce his daughter. His daughter had one child by the hand and another in her arms, and she was seven months pregnant. She came and she sat down and she said, I don't understand what happened. I don't know how this could have happened. I don't understand this. And I said, what is it you don't understand? And she said, I was with a friend of mine and our children and we were on our way to town. We never went to town that way. On that particular day, we went into town a different way and we came upon the accident where my husband was killed. I recognized his truck. I got out of the car. My girlfriend took my children. I ran down there, my husband was unconscious, I got in the ambulance with him and they took us to another town about 20 miles away where there's a major medical facility. And she said, when we got there, the chaplain took me by the hand and led me into the chapel and then 
they took my husband into the emergency room. And I was sitting in that chapel and all of a sudden I knew my husband was okay. Everything was all right. And then the doctors came and said, honey, we're sorry. We did everything we could, but there was just nothing. She says, no, he's all right. And they said, no, no, he's not. She says, he's all right. I know he's, they said, no, no, he's not. He died. She said, I don't understand. And they took her in to see her husband and she saw his body and she was still confused. She says, I couldn't understand that. How could I have felt that peace when my husband was dead? I don't understand that. And I'm struggling with that. And I need you to pray for me. And so she told me a little bit more about herself and her husband and her father and children. And we agreed to meet the next day. And she was so broken up she had a tough time even talking about any of it, which is perfectly understandable, isn't it? And I went home and I prayed that God would intervene in her life, but I also prayed that maybe her dad would take her to see a doctor and maybe get some kind of medication to calm her down because she was really, really, really hurting. More than anybody I think I'd ever witnessed, and I'd been in a few of those situations at that point. The next day I had to drive over to that same town to do the funeral, which was going to take place in the funeral home. And I took the longest way I could take because I never dreaded doing a service so much as that day because I just didn't know what I could possibly say that could comfort her in her painful situation. And I was standing talking to the funeral director and I kept watching the window mm -hmm. hoping that she would get there soon so we could have time to visit. And I was kind of relieved when I saw her. She came with a kind of a spring in her step. And I thought, oh, maybe she did get some medicine, you know. And she came in and we all greeted her. And she looked at me and says, Father Dale, could you and I talk a minute before the funeral? And I said, absolutely. And the funeral director ushered us into his office and she said, I got this figured out now. She said, those are my husband's body parts out there. But my husband has already gone to heaven and the Holy Spirit has come to me with my husband and that's what I experienced in that chapel. That's why I had that peace. That's why I had that comfort. In spite of losing my husband, who I loved with all my heart, I understood why I could find some peace in that horrible storm. And Father Dale, what you got to do today is you got to go out there and convince those people what I just told you. And I did something I can remember thinking, I hope my bishop never finds out about this. I said, Connie, would you like to tell him? And she says, you know, I thought about that. Now this is a girl whose dad thought she might not come in and talk to me privately. She says, I thought about getting up and telling all those people about what happened because they need to know. And the one thing that held me back is my mother-in-law is here. And I'm worried about what her reaction is because she already thinks I'm crazy. And I said, I'll tell you what, when it comes time for the sermon, I will look at you and if you think you're up to it, you go ahead and give the sermon and I will sit there and I will pray about your mother-in-law 
and it'll be okay. Well, it came time and she got up and she started to tell the story. And she said, yesterday when we came to church, Father Dale read from the Gospel of John, and in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, I must leave you, but I'm not leaving you alone. I'm going to send you the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, to comfort you. And she said, that's what he read. And at that point, she's digging into her purse, and I started to hand her a handkerchief because that's what I learned in seminary. That's about all I learned, but always have a clean handkerchief, if you're, especially if you're going to go to a funeral. And I went to hand her, and she went like this. And I thought, oh, maybe she didn't know what I was trying to do, so I offered again, and she goes like this. And she digs out the bulletin from the day before. And she says, it said right there in the Gospel, I will send you the Holy Spirit. And then she looked at the congregation, and the congregation was almost entirely construction workers. They came from their construction site. Blue jeans, flannel shirts, big heavy boots, tough construction workers. And here's this little pregnant girl, and she goes down amongst them and she says, and you could have this too. All you have to do is ask Jesus Christ, and he will send you his Holy Spirit. And you too can feel the comfort I felt in that chapel and the comfort I have felt since then because I now know the Holy Spirit is with me. I know my husband is okay. I know Jesus Christ loves me. I know I have accepted him. And you are too, too. Too bashful. You didn't talk to me. I couldn't wait for the service to be over. I hugged her. Told her how much I loved her, what an awesome job she did. And then I made a beeline for the mother-in-law. And the mother-in-law says, now, now I understand why my husband loved her so much. It's because of God. And if Connie were here today, oh by the way, Connie joined that church. She volunteered to be a Sunday school teacher. When we left that area, she was the director of the Sunday school teachers for that church and continued to serve God. I hope she's telling the story. Because I think it's a story about Advent. I think it's a story about us not knowing when something is going to happen. She had no idea that morning what was going to happen to her, what was going to happen to her husband. No clue about what was going to happen. It was an Advent experience where she had no clue about how much God loved her. She had no clue about how the Holy Spirit worked. She had no clue about how, in spite of all her pain and agony, she could still be comforted by this incredible Holy Spirit we have available to us. I love telling the story about Connie. Because it's a story about God and about how God works in our lives when we least expect Him. How He works in our lives when we don't deserve to have Him in our lives. It's a story about love. It's a story about what's coming. The priests, the choir, and the whole congregation said together, Amen. All together, Amen. Thank you.